Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 100. And um, if you're a guest with us today, let me introduce myself. My name is Brian. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here. And as I say, turn in your Bible, you're just like, oh, I don't have a Bible. Um, we'd invite you to use uh, the one in the P-Rack in front of you and would say, if you don't have a Bible uh, at all of your own, um, we'd invite you to take that as a gift from us to you to, to take as your own. And uh, if you were here last week, I just want to thank Pastor John for uh, leading the charge in the pulpit in my uh, ailment. Apparently, I need to wash my hands even more than I said I needed to. And uh, I did a great job, and we joked, we should give him 24-hour notice to preach more often. So, that was good. And also just an update on our senior pastor, uh, Wayne Kent. Uh, He is currently in week three of three weeks visiting extended family uh, in Australia. That's his uh, homeland. And then from there, he's going to do some some study in Israel, as well as some preaching, I understand, in uh, in England. And then uh, he'll be back in the States uh, using the rest of the sabbatical to visit other congregations to see what he can learn as he continues uh, to lead us into our future as well. And then he'll be back with us uh, late spring. So we'll look forward to that. Um, So as you turn to Psalm 100, um, and we continue uh, this series, what we were going to do last week but didn't end up doing uh, because of me being sick, uh, the series Honest to God, looking at the Psalms as a relational template as to how we can relate to God. Uh, One of the questions that um, it could be a most, like a frequently asked question of God, I would argue maybe even the most asked question of God in one form or another that we have of him personally is something along the lines of what is God's will? Or more specifically, what is God's will for my life? That is a question we ask in one form or another, and frankly, more than ask, we want to know the answer to. What is God's will for my life? In fact, we even have a study in small groups. It's probably one of the most popular ones, not because it's necessarily the best, but because the title, Discovering God's Will for Your Life. And so with that, the question, what is God's will for my life? I think there's lots of interesting ways in which we've aimed to discover that answer. Uh, Maybe if you're honest with yourself, you've uh, at some point or another used the magic eight ball approach. Uh, If you recall those little handy things that you ask a question, give it a shake. If you don't like the answer, just shake it again until you get the answer that you want. Uh, These days, Siri is a really popular source of uh, questions and answers. And, uh, and uh, actually, I Googled it uh, more specifically than God's will. Uh, the question, what is the meaning of life, is one of the most popular questions asked to Siri. So I gave it a run. And Siri told me, I don't know. But I think there's an app for that. So good to know that. Some of you might like to go um, maybe a little more spiritual than that and actually use your Bible to discover God's will. And so maybe you do the old flip and point uh, mechanism where you kind of flip, close your eyes and point and see what God's will for you is. Um, But then you come across things like, she grabbed a tent peg in her left hand and with her right hand seized a hammer. She struck Sisera, smashed his head and drove a hole through his temple. Judges 526. Fantastic. That's really helpful. (laughs) Personally, my favorite approach to discovering God's will, uh, specifically in high school, was through uh, the free throw shot, where uh, I would step up to the line and uh, do my free throw shot routine and ask God, if I make this, she will say yes when I ask her out. Okay. <laughs> 
You can tell in my setup. All right. All right, God. Let's go two or three. Uh, which I did have to do frequently. So. <laughs> so whether in the big things or the small, we would agree that we would all like to know the answer to the question, what is God's will for our lives? Whether it's we should take this job, buy this house, marry this person, or take on that commitment, etc. cetera. Uh, but we do find if we do look in the right place in God's word that there is uh, a window into what specifically God's will for our lives is. Our lives are. And, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul writes in his letter to that church, he tells them and he tells us, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so as we conclude our series on getting honest to God at a look at the Psalms, um, we see in this passage of Thessalonians, it really captures what we've been aiming to do throughout this entire series in that uh, in having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we are given the gift to actually be in relationship with him, with the, the gift of having an open line of communication to pray continually. Uh, sometimes when we see that in scripture, to pray continually or pray without ceasing, it kind of, we read it as a command like, oh man, I should pray more. But that's not what it's intended to be. It's a, it's a gift. It's an opportunity that the creator of the universe would actually uh, be so omniscient to be able to be available and actually welcome our continued prayers on a regular basis. And so recognizing this gift, not this burden, we've been looking at the Psalms as what we've said, a relational template as to how we can get honest to God and grow in that uh, prayer and relationship with him. And so uh, with that, we started off our series, if you recall, uh, saying that Regardless of the themes that we might look at throughout the series, the theme that umbrellas over all of it, that's a thread through all of the topics we might look at, was that of worship. That we wanted to aim in everything we do in communication to God and the way we live our life, that we want to uh, live our lives um, with giving all our worth or our worship to God in so much, practically speaking, that we live our lives uh, in so much that we actually express that all our worth is to him rather than to lesser things. And so we want to bookend that thread of worship uh, here today with the uh, final part in which we can seek out God's will in our life, and that is to the theme of getting honest to God by giving thanks, or thanksgiving. And so with that, as we look to uh, accomplish that answer of what is God's will for our lives through giving thanks, we want to look at that specifically in Psalm 100, and so I invite you to follow with me. Psalm 100, a psalm for giving grateful praise. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Well, as we read this short psalm, 
It really is written uh, almost as we would write, like a thank you card, in that, uh, like when we write thank you cards to somebody, um, you know, sometimes I think they put the word thank you on the front of the card, and it's like, man, what else am I going to say? It already kind of says it, but we, we go on, and we kind of give some context as to what it is we are thankful for. We might even go on to say how we feel as a result of uh, whatever it is we're thankful for, but at some point uh, in the writing of that card, we kind of cut to the chase, and we say, usually at the end, Thank you. We say thank you for what it is we're thankful for. And so in this uh, psalm, this thank you card to God that the psalmist is writing in a prayer, really we see in verse four is where that simple thank you is delivered from the psalmist as he says, enter his gates, which means enter his presence, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, as we read that line, what's going on in this line in Hebrew poetry is something called synonymous parallelism, which just makes me sound really smart when I say it, so I said it. But um, what that means is kind of inversely to American poetry, we like to um, rhyme words in American poetry, things like, uh, even if they're not even related, like roses are red, violets are blue, uh, Valentine's Day is Friday, so fellas, don't miss this free cue. I probably would have preached better last weekend when I wasn't sick, but. In Hebrew poetry, rather than rhyme the last two words, uh, they uh, express synonyms at the end of the two lines, words that, uh, again, if your English is rusty, synonyms are two words that are different but yet express or mean the exact same thing. And so in this case, the psalmist is uh, using it to bring uh, a kind of exclamation to the point that we want to give praise and or thanks, meaning the same thing. And this expression in the Psalms of giving praise, giving thanks, uh, just using those two words alone, we see in the Psalms expressed 255 times. 255 times those words are expressed in getting honest to God in the 150 Psalms. So just based on sheer volume alone, as we look at the Psalms saying it's gonna be our relational template as to how it is we get honest to God, it's hard to miss this theme of giving Thanks. And so as we dive into our, our kind of final look at Psalms and how we can express our, our relationship to him and giving thanks, one of the challenges that many of you will face, even before we go any further, is this idea that that's not really the way that you're wired, that it's kind of not who you are, that if you were to ask, you know, I'm, I'm really more of like a cynic or a pessimist, that's kind of the way God created me. I'm not uh, really naturally a thankful person, so I never have been, probably never will be, and it's just not who I am. And so when it comes to all the themes we've looked at, this one's kind of a challenge because the idea of teaching you to be thankful, to say thank you, feels a little contrived. Um, kind of like you remember when your parents used to tell you to say thank you, or even now when we ask kids, a group of kids, you might say, you've got kids, you're like, okay, what do you say? And then almost in cult-like unison, Thank you. It's like, it sounds more like zombies. And it's like, you know, thank you for letting me eat your flesh. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't exude genuine thankfulness when we tell somebody to say thank you. Um, and so it seems a little backwards. But what we're going to discover as we, as we continue to unpack the scriptures here is, is this very important understanding that thankfulness is not... Uh, something that you're either born with or not born with. It's not a personality trait. But in fact, thankfulness is something, um, as we continue to teach our own kids, is something that can actually be learned. 
Thankfulness, uh, in the end, really is a learned paradigm uh, on God. It's a, it's a learned perspective uh, on life and God as a whole. And it can actually, because it's learned, be practiced and improved on. And so that's really important as we kind of move through the rest of our time. And kind of to make the case for this truth, we see this first uh, in the phrase itself, the idea of thanksgiving or give thanks, that it has that word give in it, which implies that there's actually an effort on our part rather than a personality trait that just is or isn't. It's, it's a verb. It's something that we choose to do. We choose to give thanks or not give thanks. Secondly, we see uh, other expressions to God other than thanks are also things that we learn and grow into and practice as well. For example, requests. In our relationship with God, we have all pretty well ingrained, pretty naturally, the idea that we can give requests to God. We, we say it all the time, give prayer requests, whether um, it's getting honest to God that way and maybe your home grow together small groups. Uh, even every week in service, we say you can come and bring your requests. We'd be glad to pray with you here, the, the leaders at the front of the church. And I would bet, even in your personal prayer time, that when you go to God in prayer, the majority of the bandwidth that comes most easily or even just starts coming out of your mouth is something to do with requests. And the reason for this isn't really hard to see, um, that it starts pretty early on in life, uh, as we see pretty clearly quickly just in babies that, um, and you might know this over the last couple of decades, uh, before children can even express themselves uh, verbally, that we've discovered that we can teach kids sign language to communicate uh, even before they can speak verbally. So quite early on, um, I remember teaching our oldest son, Camden, some of these basic sign language things like requests and um, how, you know, how, to, how to request something as well as uh, some manners to go with it. And so uh, I remember the first one we were going to teach him was more. And so uh, here this morning, just to make sure you're also awake at 920, uh, show me your best more. Okay, I can see who's not participating. You all think you're invisible <laughs> because there's so many, but I can see. All right. Okay, well, maybe we'll do better on the next one. And then from there, we want them to have some manners with it. So we want them to do not just more, but more please. So your best pleases. I'm just going to point at you when I see you not doing it. <laughs> and then one more. Everyone, uh, we know after you get what you want, we're supposed to say our theme for the day. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so I remember teaching Camden, our oldest boy, these initial moves, and uh, the first one we taught him was more, and he learned that in six seconds. Uh, I mean, and, and so Jessica and I are looking at each other, this kid's brilliant, he's the smartest kid ever. Um, but then from there, we try to add please, and uh, that one took a little longer to catch on, and then really, actually, I think it got lost in translation, because when we, we wanted him to say more please, he'd end up doing something like this. He was a husky boy. He wanted his more. Really, I think what he meant when he was trying to say more please was, was more now, old man. Give it to me now. And then I was asking Jessica last night, I don't think we ever at the sign language level got one of our four children to learn thank you, not one. And you know, it's really not surprising because when we think about what it is we actually need to survive, literally right out of the chute, we're born into the reality that all we ever really need to survive in this life is technically requests, whether through a baby's cry or a little more sophisticated, more. And so as that kind of plays out now in the trajectory of all of our lives, to kind of tinker with uh, Psalm 100 verse 4 a little bit, more frequently and most naturally, 
we find ourselves not wanting to enter his gates, enter God's presence with thanksgiving or praise, but rather we most naturally enter his gates, his presence with needs and requests and more. And let me say, just as a disclaimer, presenting needs and requests before God is not a bad thing. So I don't want you to misunderstand uh, in the effort of where we're heading of what I'm trying to disclude by no means. In fact, Scripture tells us, 1 Peter 5, 7, that we should cast our cares upon the one who cares for us. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And so requests are certainly appropriate, and they're obviously, even in the, we see in that verse, deeply connected to giving thanks as well. But the question that we're raising today is that, is requests the only mode of communication that you have in getting honest to God? Is that the only avenue in which uh, that takes up the majority of your bandwidth in praying to God? And that, yes, we should and can bring our requests but just as important, as we see throughout Scripture, 255 times in the 155 Psalms, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, give thanks, and praise his name. It was interesting. There was a study I came across in preparing this message um, that really makes the case that thanksgiving and giving thanks can actually be learned and practiced and improved upon, and that once learned is actually functionally the best way or the better way to live life um, versus not being a thankful person, and I'll add, as designed by God, which I don't know if the study would say that, but um, the study revealed this. It had two groups, and it asked one group to keep what they called a, a thanksgiving journal where throughout a day, they were supposed to be very intentional and have an awareness about all the things in their life that they came across that they were thankful for, and they were to capture that and record it. And then the other group was told to keep uh, what the researchers called an annoyance journal, where throughout the day, they were to capture and record everything that annoyed them in a given day. And so um, after several weeks of this, the results revealed that those who kept the Thanksgiving journal had increased levels of energy, increased levels of enthusiasm, were less depressed, were less stressed, and even slept better than their uh, annoyance journal-keeping counterparts. Another study done by the Institute of Health uh, did a study to measure blood flow to the brain while subjects were actually in the act of expressing gratitude and revealed that expressing thanks actually increased blood flow to the hypothalamus region of the brain, uh, which are the part of the brain that helps control stress levels, sleep function, and even metabolism. So being thankful can actually increase your metabolism. So you know, next Thanksgiving, after consuming all those calories, you can actually burn some off by actually doing what the holiday says, and that's give thanks. So, um, so even as we look at this, as we look at the scriptures that reveal this, as we look at even kind of uh, studies that reveal uh, the case for giving thanks, um, even as I studied this in my own preparation for this message uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, a true story, uh, not that the other ones are lies, but um, <laughs> a true of me two Wednesdays ago, as I originally prepared this, um, I woke up on a Wednesday morning with what I would say for me was a kind of an increased measure of stress. Uh, things that were kind of um, going on both personally as well as uh, in the life of the church that particular week. And so uh, I try to start each day off with prayer, and I'm kind of a big journaler. I'm kind of a nerd like that, so I journal my prayers to God. And what I'm about to share with you 
I didn't realize until the next morning, Thursday morning, when I sat down to pray and looked back at my journal from Wednesday morning's prayer. Um, But what caught my eye on Wednesday morning's prayer was this. I had, in my prayer on that Wednesday morning, expressed to God, because I counted uh, that Thursday morning, I counted 26 different things that I expressed to God that I was stressed about or even more so, 26 worries, 26 concerns, 26 things, if I'm honest, were kind of annoyed about that I recorded before the Lord. Um, But what's even more embarrassing, um, what I did immediately after that is uh, I took the journal, put it down, pulled out the computer, and then began to continue typing a message to you all about how you all need to be more thankful to God in your prayers. And worse than this is I had already written into the sermon this research on this study about keeping a thankfulness journal versus an annoyance journal. And so I would suspect that you all are way less awful of a human being than I am. Uh, but can, I would guess that if I can literally be entrenched in preparing a message on thankfulness and the benefits of expressing thanks in a journal uh, versus not and, uh, and, and miss it in such a short gap of time, My guess is that some of you just as easily could hear this message now, but uh, kind of metaphorically speaking, leave the application in your pew as you head back out to the parking lot uh, to be unthankful for all that snow that keeps falling on your head. And so in an effort to kind of position our minds, not just talk about, hey, how we should be thankful, go get them uh, in a general way, I want to get very specific to kind of help wrap our minds and our hearts and kind of position us towards the very specific things which Scripture says we can be thankful for. And then from there, not just talk about it, but actually as we close our service time together, we'll give you an opportunity to uh, spend some time in prayer expressing thanks to God. And so in an effort to actually Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. In an effort to give thanks and to praise his name, here are some specific things uh, that Scripture reveals that we can be thankful for. First, rather than just uh, thankfulness generically in some journal that really ends nowhere, uh, we can actually direct our thankfulness to God. We can give thanks to someone, to God, for the goodness of God in our life. Verse 5 of our psalm says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And so this morning, if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, uh, you can express what is true in James later in Scripture. It says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. And so we recognize that which is good in our life, not just generically, but is specifically from God, and so we can be thankful to him for that. Second, uh, knowing that goodness is from God, we can be very specifically thankful for the uh, ways in which God's goodness plays out in his specific care for us, uh, in that God uh, provides, or maybe you've heard it called God's providence, and that God provides for us in our basic needs. Verse three of our psalm says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. And because he made us, we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Expressing this idea of God's care for us. That uh, when we ask in prayer each week here, maybe more frequently in your own prayer life, to give us this day our daily bread. Uh, that we can be confident that God does, in fact, meet our needs, that he fulfills his promise in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says I, that, he already, that we don't have to worry about these things. He already knows our needs. He will clothe us. He will feed us. 
He knows what you need before you even ask. And so we can express our thankfulness to God uh, for the specific way in which he meets our needs and frankly in many of our lives well beyond that. Also, uh, here particularly in this context of the church, we can be thankful for one another. Uh, recognizing that the church really isn't a place you go. It wasn't actually until the 7th century that people actually started calling the building, the church, a place you go, that the church was always understood and still should be as uh, a community of people who our commonality is Christ's love and commitment to us, thus enabling us to be committed one to another. So we can be thankful for the church, that we can do life uh, together. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul in his uh, letters, who that takes about two-thirds of the New Testament, opens up nearly every one of his letters with some expression like this. The one from 1 Thessalonians says it this way. I thank God for you. I thank God for you. I thank you for the church. And he says, I continually mention you in my prayers. And so we can be thankful for our church. We can be thankful uh, that what we mean by that is we have one another to continue to grow in relationship with one another uh, as we grow in a relationship with Christ uh, through that. In fact, um, this is such an important reality of, uh, of our faith and to be thankful for. Next week, we actually begin a new series entitled All In, looking at what does it actually mean to um, be all in, committed to Jesus and his church as we embrace more of his commitment to us and living that commitment out one to another as his church doing life together. So we'll start that next week. Uh, next, um, kind of as we said at the beginning, but really didn't spend much time with it, as we looked at what is God's will for our lives, that we can, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks, not just for, but in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I wish I'd almost circled um, that Oh, I skipped one. You're right. I apologize. My bad. Um, I'll just go back because we can do that. Uh, one thing you can also thank God for is your vocation. And we mean that in a general sense of the word, uh, not necessarily a job. It might be a job in the home, your role outside of the home, and anything you do to serve one another. It says in Colossians 3.17 that whatever you do, uh, do it unto the Lord. And so we can know that whatever we've been gifted and able to do, we can do that. Not just, again, to make a living, but we can do everything we do unto the Lord, whatever that particular role in life is. So my bad on that. And then beyond that, not just thankful for, but we are called to go one layer deeper to be able to be thankful in all circumstances. I wish I'd almost circled that word uh, in as I was getting ready to say. But uh, the reason we're called to go uh, a level deeper is because we recognize we're not actually thankful for all things. In a sense, that, that would be sadistic. We're not thankful for cancer. We're not thankful for divorce. However, we recognize that we can be, even in the worst of circumstances, find ways to be thankful in the midst of them when we recognize God's truth and work in the midst of them. Romans 8.28 says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Pastor Wayne, you might recall, talked about this several weeks ago where he said, you know, it's the quote, uh, works for the good, end quote, that stuff we're good with. We like that part of the verse. But then he went on to say, it's the all things that we sometimes have trouble with. But we can give thanks even in the midst of the all things, knowing that God does work these things out in the long run, according to his promise for those who love him. And again, that might be in this life, or in some cases, the next. It's an eternal perspective on what God is doing in the midst of the all things. Also, you can be thankful in all circumstances because 
he can use that to work in you to grow you to become more like Jesus Christ, which is the mission of our church, that we want to become more devoted followers of Jesus Christ, that you can uh, live out and kind of understand in a unique way. It's a paradox, but it's true, as it says in James 1, that we can even take joy in the midst of life trials uh, that we face because it produces in us a persevering, maturing faith, again, to become more devoted followers of Jesus. And then thirdly, we can be thankful in all circumstances when we recognize it's not in our own strength, but it's the strength of the Holy Spirit that carries us through. Now, that preach is fine, but it's a whole lot different, I know, um, when it's you that's in the midst of the all things. And, uh, you know, over the years, I, I would say that I've witnessed this and had these conversations in one form or another that, um, of course, you're not thankful for that circumstance. In fact, people reflecting on these kind of all things, these terrible things that have gone in their lives, uh, I've heard something to the, ex- the extent of, I would never want to go through that again. There's nothing in the world that you could get me to do to go through that again. But, they go on, I don't think I'd ever want to trade what God taught me and revealed to me and grew my faith as a result of in the midst. And so there's that paradox of what God can do in the midst. And the reason ultimately that we can be thankful in all circumstances, even beyond some of these circumstantial ones, and even for all things, is most of all, most of all, we are thankful for God's son, Jesus Christ. That in the end, that technically even if God never gave us more of anything else, we recognize that he gave us more than any of us ever deserved in giving us his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever places their faith in him is given forgiveness, the gift of a new life, both here in this life and for all of eternity. I realize what John's message was about last week was all about that even in the midst of great hardship for God's people, there was the hope of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the answer. Uh, It sounds maybe empty on a bumper sticker, but when we understand that Jesus truly is the answer, We can recognize that, um, as we sing around here all the time, that all of you, all of Jesus, in the end, is more than enough for all of me. Um, I love a story I heard recently that really captures this ability to be thankful uh, in all circumstances, uh, and most of all, because of Jesus Christ. And that uh, it was a man, he had come back from a mission trip where he had uh, visited a leper colony. And if you're unfamiliar with the disease of leprosy, it's a terrible disease of the nervous system, actually. It's not actually of the flesh. It's of the nervous system where you can't feel things. And so you can't feel pain. And as a result, your body ends up taking the blows of the inability to feel and, be, and have sensory to anything. And so um, in this particular case, the man tells a story that uh, at the leper colony, they were having a time of worship together. And the song leader asked... Uh, the, the leper colony, that if there was anyone uh, who had a request, if there's any song that anyone would like to sing. And he tells a story that there was a woman in the back who raised her hand, her fingerless hand. He said uh, her nose was gone, her lips were gone, and uh, through slurred speech uh, asked, can we sing Count Your Many Blessings? Now, what would give a woman in those circumstances, in those all things, the ability to request a song to count your many blessings. Only someone who knows that Jesus is more than enough. In a very real way, not in a pithy way, but in an actualized way, that even when he's all you've got, you recognize he is more than we deserve. That all of him 
is more than enough for all of me. And so in recognizing all that we have to be thankful for and even the ability to be thankful in, uh, Psalm 92 says, uh, another psalm, that it is good to give thanks to the Lord. It is good to praise the Lord and proclaim his love in the morning and his faithfulness at night. And so this morning, we want to do that. We want to proclaim his love together, his faithfulness to us, uh, as we did last night in the Saturday night service together. Um, as we as a church are going to all together, again, we're all in this together, going to spend some time giving thanks to God, that we can pursue God's will to give thanks in all circumstances, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, uh, that even as we kind of reveal in kind of natural studies that uh, the design of God, physiologically, it's the best way to live life. It's the best paradigm to live a thankful life. And then again, because Thanksgiving isn't something you either are or aren't, you're born with it or you're not, but it is a verb. It is something we can do, something we can give, something we can practice and improve on um, in getting honest to God in our relationship with him. That, frankly, again, candid before you, even the guy who prepared the message on giving thanks can mess it up that bad uh, in the midst of uh, preparing it. With all of that in mind, we recognize we need to put into practice um, this morning um, through uh, this opportunity we're going to give you through what I'm going to call a little makeshift thankfulness journal. And so uh, to do that, um, there should be a bulletin. Well, you should have got a bulletin. I should have a bulletin up here somewhere. Um, On the back, you'll notice that there is uh, numbers one through 10. And so if everyone could grab that, and if you're a paper saver and you're a couple and you only grabbed one, that's okay. Just grab maybe a blue envelope or something. But everyone grab something to write on because uh, we're going to need everyone's uh, participation here for what we're getting ready to do. And that, again, we collectively as a church have the opportunity all the time to express uh, our thanks to God through song. And uh, we do this weekly. And one song that we've sung many times here is a song called 10,000 Reasons. And uh, I'll remind you of the second verse that we sing. It says... God, you're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. And so it's got, you're given these reasons, so to speak. And so for all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord or give thanks, O my soul. And so the reason I point this out is one of the cool things here, specifically in our context here at First Christian, is that uh, on a given weekend, we have about 1,000 people in worship together. And so some quick math, uh, 1,000 people uh, who each individually today, if we, uh, between last night and today, express 10 reasons in which we're thankful for, we will not just generically say there's 10,000 reasons in which we can be thankful to God, but we will have specifically, by the end of the morning today, actually functionally given 10,000 reasons as a church together, all in this, as to why we can bless the Lord and give thanks, uh, why we can enter his courts uh, with thanksgiving, his um, presence with praise, 10,000 reasons we can thank him and praise his name, Psalm 104. And so with that, um, you know, if uh, you look over and your neighbor is kind of choking and the time's running out and you only see four, you might have to game up and do like 16 things you're thankful for so that we can legitimize our our 10,000 here this weekend. And so I will, uh, I'll pray for us as we enter into this. And again, you're not just writing out 10 things you're randomly thankful for, uh, but this is a, a, an opportunity to literally journal to God, to, uh, to pray to God through the tip of your pen, so to speak, um, as you express to him, not just in writing, but in prayer, 10 reasons as we make our 10,000 as to why we as a church are thankful to God for the things in which he's provided, and maybe even more so, regardless of circumstance, thankful in all things. 
And so we'll leave that list up as kind of a trigger list to help you, and I'll pray for us as we embark on this together. Father God, um, help us to recognize um, a different pattern from the world that says that circumstance is what begets thankfulness. That if, if this, if only I had that, well, well then I would be thankful. And, and change our hearts to you that in all circumstances for what we already have in our life, that it's not abundance or comfort or more that makes us thankful. In fact, that probably makes us more entitled or greedy and, and usually the opposite of thankful, but to find contentment, to recognize what's already in front of us and to say and express thank you and recognizing in saying thank you, we will then become thankful. And so Father, would you help us uh, to discover these things by your Holy Spirit, reveal these to you, us that we might reveal them back to you Uh, in the writing of them, more importantly, in our prayer to you. Would you help us in Jesus' name? Amen. So we'll give you a few minutes to do that now. And as you wrap up your list of 10 or 16 or whatever you've uh, got down there, um, a reminder from the first two verses of our psalm this morning. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Uh, 
recognizing not just in prayerful writing, but also through prayerful singing, we can express our thanks to God. And I'll be honest, I don't know about you, but sometimes, um, my, my voice is lousy for one, but even beyond that, uh, I don't really feel like singing. But one of the things I've learned over the years is that probably the less I feel like singing my thanks to God, it's usually a good sign uh, of all the more that I need to do it. Because what I discover in choosing to sing, even if I don't feel like it, choosing to express worship and praise to God, even if I don't really feel like it, is that in expressing uh, this thankfulness through the words of my mouth, that um, our hearts and our minds tend to then catch up with the words of our mouth. It's just the way God tends to work it out. And so um, with that, I invite you to stand with me and to sing, whether you feel like it or not, your, your thanks to God as an act of worship to Him, that's about Him, not us. And uh, as we do here regularly, um, again, we'll have some leaders here at the front uh, of the room here who'd be honored to uh, present any requests that you might have, uh, but also we'd be glad to share with you uh, something maybe you're thankful for or thankful in, or maybe God's help to be thankful in a difficult circumstance. Uh, as we both pray and sing our prayer of the thousands of reasons in which we have to be thankful to our great God, uh, most of which is Jesus Christ. And so we invite you to sing and to pray together.